0: This is Unexpected Beginnings, the Neonatal Unit. Thanks to funding from Leeds Hospital's charity and the support of Leeds Children's Hospital, we're back with a brand new season. I'm Caroline Verdon.
1: And I'm Kerry McCarthy. And we've both had babies on the Neonatal Unit, so we've both got first-hand experience of some of the highs and some of the lows. Coming up on this episode... I could ask for that free car parking, that's costing me a lot of money. I think people need to understand that little changes do make the biggest of differences even if it's a step in the right direction, it's stressful.
0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for episode two. So we wanted to start this episode off by talking about all of those changes that happen in neonatal units that come about just because parents have shared their thoughts and their feedback. And that might be, hey, do you know what I think would be great? Or it could be, I'd like to speak to a senior person because I'm unhappy with X, Y or Z. But we know from our own personal experience that it can be so daunting giving feedback, especially when you're having to leave your baby on the unit. But hopefully this episode will help to calm those fears and make you see just how important it is and also just how welcomed all of your thoughts and feelings are. So we're joined for this episode by Karen Williams, who is the parent and family engagement lead for the Yorkshire and Humber Neonatal Network. And in a nutshell, her entire job is about making sure that our voices as parents, carers and family members are all being heard.
2: So a lot of my work involves getting feedback, um, sharing that feedback with the units and with the network um, and acting that feedback. But a large part of my work is also around ensuring that services are being developed co-productively with parents. And by co-productively, what I mean is that parents are involved from the very start. So if anything is going to change or anything's going to be developed, be that a guideline, be that a different way of working, be that a resource, be it a new unit um, or redesign, um, parents should be involved from the very start of that. And that's something that I lead on to make sure that is actually happening.
1: Do you feel like that's
2: changed over the more recent years? Having yeah, that definitely. parent
1: engagement a lot more?
2: Definitely. So I've been involved in UNIX, as I say, in one way or another for the past 15, near 16 years. And I've seen a definite shift. Um, when I was involved as a parent on the parent advisor group going back 10 years ago, um, we were involved, but it was very much around what the neonatal staff defined as what was needing support with so they'd bring things to the pet advisor group and say could you help us with this um and again when i worked for bliss i also saw the same thing happening that staff would say oh we've decided we need a leaf on this what do you think we've done this or they might even go as far as saying we need a leaflet on this can you help us put it together but the this was decided by the staff in the majority of the cases it was it was a one way line of communication really. So when I came into this role, um I'd been doing some work in maternity. Um and co-production in the maternity world is is something that's been around for longer than it has been in neonatal. Uh, we're a couple of years behind where, where maternity maternity had been. Um but quite quickly what I wanted to do was make sure that it wasn't tick boxy. So we weren't going to parents and saying what do you think of this leaflet? What I did was set up a co-production group within the network and that co-production group is parents and staff together and the very first meeting we had we kind of laid some ground rules together about what we wanted to achieve, what the work plan would look like, what people within that room, staff and parents felt was important Um, and we were really clear about what co-production was and what co-production wasn't and who needed to be involved. And then from there, it's developed for the past 18 months or so. That group meets regularly. We've got subgroups now, but parents are now involved from the very start. So if a project is starting, it's been decided by staff and parents um, and what that looks like in terms of the process of getting to the end result and what the end result looks like. Is it going to be a resource? Is it going to be education? Is it going to be a new guideline? That is determined by conversation and meeting between parents and staff at every single stage and then we, when the when the process has come to an end and we've got a resource or we've got you know a guideline the parents are then involved with the staff in evaluating how well did we did, did we co-produce that you know did we involve the right people at all the right stages was there any kind of thing that we could have done better um and we're very kind of clear that you know we're not going to get it perfect straight away none of us are perfect um it is it is a process But in answer to your question, Kerry, uh, around the house a little bit there, in answer to your question, yeah, I do feel that things have really moved on.
0: Are there any examples you can give us about things that parents have raised and said look this is an issue or this is something that
2: I think could perhaps yeah.
0: change that has had a huge impact but without that parent involvement it just wouldn't have happened
2: so there's a couple of things so there's a project we've just finished and one that is almost finished so I'll give you those two examples so the first one is our um parent package which we launched in July and that's made up of two parts one part is the um parent information resource called our neonatal journey and the other part is our all, all wrapped up which is around wrapping babies to support them through procedures that uh, are potentially stressful or painful so things like bathing or um having an NGT passed or um having bloods taken and parents were involved in the very start of that so in that very first meeting that we had we talked about a parent passport because that was something that was yeah. um it's been talked about and's been having been kind of tried to get off the ground for a long time um and we agreed that this idea of having some kind of resource that helps parents move between units would be really helpful so if parents move from one unit to another that staff know what they are you know comfortable with um, confident in um but straight away we didn't like the name passport because you use a passport to Prove who you are and you go on holiday. And it kind of had that connotation of proving you're a parent. So straight away, we liked the idea of this resource, but we didn't want that name. So that name was, you know, co produced and, you know, went out to the, um, the group and then wider parents to kind of agree on that name. But the whole entire process was had parents in every single stage, every single meeting, every single development and rewrite. And there were several rewrites of this resource had parent involvement in it similarly with the all wrapped up package we were really clear that we didn't want to use dolls for this wrapping we wanted to have real babies and we wanted term and preterm babies so again parents were involved in that and the the dialogue around that the way it was recorded and the parents themselves were actually involved in in doing those those demonstrations of wrap bathing and wrap weighing etc there's posters on every unit each cot side now pretty much has, has a set of cards which have qr codes and which teach to each second section of, of the booklet um each unit has got at least one or two copies that they've had printed off off in the parents room it's quite a big document um it's bigger than we expect to be but every, the parents wanted more and more stuff in it and we know we want to make sure we did cover everything but you know then that that does grow which is why we decided to do these cards as well so we didn't want parents to be faced with like you know, a 50 page document as well it's <laughs> overwhelming for lots of parents so we came up with the idea of having this poster that was all the qr codes to all the sections and to the full document and these little qr codes on we've got well it's a jargon buster for example because you know you walk in to a neonatal unit and it's a whole new language to learn you've just had a baby and your brain's like mashed potato and then yet yeah, someone's expecting you to learn all these new words care for your baby with your hands like the krypton factor and an incubator and all these people trying to understand what their role is and where where you fit and what their role is and sometimes the smallest thing could tip me over the edge so we want to try and cover as much as possible you know the emotion side of things but also some real practical things in there because it's across the whole network. It has to be something that is, you know, is generic enough to be using each unit. So there's no specifics about this hospital gives you car parking and you get your car parking reimbursed or paid for or whatever here. But there is some information there about it. you can access free car parking. You can access meals. It's a prompt to, you know, if you've not been offered that to ask that, because that's another thing you don't know what you don't know, do you? you know, I can be fully rested because I've got a reclining chair by the cot side, or you provide provided with a meal, or I could ask for that free car parking. and that's costing me a lot of money. If you know all these things, you've got prompts for those things. It just helps to alleviate. It won't take all the stress and anxiety away, of course, it won't, but it will. It'll take some of the unnecessary stress and anxiety that that we felt and other parents have felt in that situation. So that has been co-produced from very start to finish, and then even when we launched it. Um, one of the parents from the from the group came out with me to, on the launch day. We, on, we went on to two different units, went to Leeds, went to Harrogate. And we actually launched it together and made sure that they knew about it. And um, that continued to be a co-produce pro- uh, process. And we're the now of evaluating that and making sure that we did co-produce it as fully as we could and anything we could take from that and learn from that. Do you feel that
1: taking that parent to the unit to share these ideas is more helpful as you know people can they can communicate better with a parent rather than sometimes somebody in yeah. uniform
2: yeah so we so on the day we went to Leeds um spoke to the parents together and uh, Hannah was able to say that you no know, her her twins had been on that unit and um we had a few good chats with some parents and that really helped because they could kind of see that it come from that parent perspective we've been responsive to what parents had told us they needed to know um Similarly, a current project at the moment is almost finished. Is um, we had some feedback from parents about when babies are transferred between units. I didn't understand what went on in the background. So we had a parent who shared with us that when her baby was transferred, she had no idea that everything had been passed over to the hospital in terms of the baby's care up to that point, and what you know their likes and dislikes and all those things are really important because all she'd seen was the handover to the Embrace transfer team and how they handed over at the other end. And because of that, she stayed at the baby's cot side pretty much 24 hours and she didn't go home because she would really want to make sure nothing had been missed. And we were just in a meeting one day within the co-production group and we mentioned about transfers and she suddenly realized that there was more to it than what she'd been privy to as a parent she told the story and some of the staff were really aghast I'm like oh my gosh no of course the hospital consultant will work a consultant consultant conversation there'd be a nurse conversation the embrace bit you know they'll already be in those conversations this is just kind of the, the the handover at the actual point of the transfer happening and the relief on her face when she realized that and we said actually we need to do something because if you feel like that I bet other parents do. So we're now in the, we're at the tail end, hopefully by the end of the year, we're going to have a animate, a short animation that we've done in conjunction with doctors, nurses, obviously parents, um, and the embrace transfer transport team to explain why transfers happen because it became a bigger conversation. You know, parents not always understanding why baby needs to transfer. And sometimes babies need different levels of care depending on their gestation or their care needs. Um, and it can be quite scary if you're told your baby needs to go to a higher level of care um, because the hospital you're due to give birth at ha- can't look after your baby. And that's how you hear it. And then, you know, three weeks later, they're asking to go back to that unit. That could feel like, oh, hang on a minute. They, they couldn't care for them before. What What's changed? So it was, we wanted a video, a little animation video that was really clear about why transfers happen what the process looks like um and how as parents you can be part of that. And we brought in we brought into that animation about the parent package and how that's there to support parents as well through those those changes between units.
0: Yeah and it- I think there can be a feeling of, you know, I'm here, my baby's very poorly. And so the staff who have all their science backgrounds, they're the ones that, that, that know what they're doing. And, you know, I could be here or not be here. It doesn't really make, you know, that much of a difference. And actually it is central at every single step along the way. And it's also so central and so important that parents feel that they can actually voice how they're feeling and voice their concerns and know that they won't just be listened to, but that those concerns will be welcomed with open arms because they won't be the only parent who's having that thought process. And I don't think there are many other situations that exist
2: where that line of communication is so important that it is so open. Yeah. And, that's something I talk about with units a lot about ensuring that there's a mechanism in place for parents to give feedback at whatever and every stage of the journey that they choose to do so And for some parents that'll be while they're on the unit for other parents when they go home or we'll have a chance to reflect on it for some parents it might be several years down the line but that there's a mechanism to do that so I work with units on although I work at a network level I work with individual units so for example last night I helped one of our units run a focus group online with parents. And it was a variety of parents, you know, some have been home just a few weeks, we've been home a couple of years, but they were able to share their feedback about what was important to them um, and what mattered to them and, you know, what were the challenges and what could have made it better. Um, On Friday this week, I'm going over to Scunthorpe and we're going to have a listening event with parents over there um, to try and kind of understand what's important to them to help direct that unit on what they're going to prioritize as what parents want to see is a change and want to see as an improvement. Um, and I'm finding that parents are coming forward more and more. We're doing more and more of these. Um, I do find that parents want to come forward more to their specific unit ones because quite often network stuff can feel a bit big to some parents. Uh, but some parents like that and want to make that big system change. And that's why, you know, it's really important to have the parent advisory group For some parents it's very specific about their experience on a specific unit or specific units that they want to um, input into and it's not always no negative feedback some really positive stuff last night there was loads of positive things that was was able to be fed back to the staff so that's really good for staff to hear because they need to hear both sides of it. I think to some parents the word
1: change seems like such a big word that something big needs to happen but I think for me one of the nurses called McKerry one day and I wasn't just baby's mum and that really meant something to me. So it doesn't have to always be a big change. I think people need to understand that little changes do make the
2: biggest of differences. Absolutely. So one of the things I've been doing over the past past twelve, twelve months or so, I work really close with maternity colleagues, so maternity vice partnership chairs. Um and one of the things that happens in maternity is something called the 15 steps. And the idea that you walk onto a maternity space in the first 15 steps, um, you get a sense of whether that's that area feels safe, welcoming. Are you, is it, re- does it represent you? Can you see yourself in the boards of information? Does it, does it kind of speak to you or do you feel like I don't fit here? What, what does it feel like? And historically that hasn't involved neonates. Um, and when I came on board, I, I started to build those relationships really quite quickly because the neonatal journey doesn't start and end at the neonatal doors you know everyone has a neonatal baby has had a maternity journey of whatever whatever length you've had that maternity experience and it does change it's a very different experience when you go through those neonatal doors but actually when I speak to pet a lot of the feedback is you know around those first 24 to 40 hours when they're you know immediately post-birth they're not sure the baby's been taken away to this neonatal unit that they don't know what it is where it is or they've been taken to the hospital in some cases. And they're sat there and, you know, feelings of you no, know, not knowing what's going on, not knowing the baby is, not knowing what their role is. Then going down to the unit and missing meals or missing medication because they, they, they can't be in two places at once and they prioritize the baby over their own health. Um, so what I did was, you know, got to kind of, getting involvement with the mvps to make sure that they you know had someone to come to for needful feedback and someone to share stuff with but also for me to work with them so the 15 steps um they're happening at a, a unit level so at hospital hospital level he said a, sm- a really small thing Kerry, and we we're over in um doncaster um earlier this year and one thing that we noticed was that there was no toaster in the parents kitchen and we said no toast is something new it's a quick thing it's a cheap thing you know why isn't there a toaster um and on the back of that feedback they now have a toaster and it's a really simple thing a really little simple inexpensive thing but makes a massive difference difference the parents um having comfortable bedding on the beds you know having a lamp rather than having to have just one big hospital light on over the bed those kind of things can make a real big difference, but you know the staff don't use the parents' kitchen. The staff don't sleep in the parents' bedroom. They don't know about those mattresses that are hot and sticky, and the beds a bit creaky, and it's really cold middle of the middle of the night in that room because the heating goes off or whatever the problem might be. So speaking to parents and taking service users round because parents call on the fifteen steps, it gives that different viewpoint. Um, mm. That staff suddenly go, "Oh my gosh, we had no idea. We can fix that." One of the big things for me was I vividly
0: remember I'm probably day two, something like that going into the neonatal unit and there was a blanket over the incubator. And I thought Fred had passed away and I thought that was why the blanket was there. And Obviously, I learned very quickly that that wasn't the case. And and absolutely, I can completely understand the science behind you want to keep it as a nice dark space, because that's what the womb would be like. As few distractions as possible, that's going to be the best thing for baby, lights dimmed. All of those things make perfect sense. But in that split second moment, it was terrifying. And now conversations are had about this before beforehand and there are posters up we will all have experienced something whether it is the toaster you know something to do with a mug or a door slamming or there'll be little tiny things that you only know because you've been there that actually will make a big difference and make
2: the situation slightly more comfortable for parents of the future I've had a parent say exactly the same thing to me about the about the cot covers, and um, they said I thought my baby had died, and then with hindsight I realised that they wouldn't just put a blanket on my baby's cot. <laughs> I mean, getting incubated—that's silly. Yeah. But you yeah. said in that moment, yeah. you're such high alert and you're expecting the worst yeah. because everything's gone wrong. You weren't expecting to be in this place, and yeah, you're not the only person. I've had exactly that same that same example shared with by by other parents, um, and parents, you know, sometimes. And it's sometimes unavoidable, you know, babies, you know, get a bit of the unit and babies get changed around rooms. And ideally, the parents should be there. But you know, I've had parents, you know, say, I came in, baby had been moved rooms and I didn't know. And my first thought was, Oh my gosh, something's happened. Um, whereas actually baby moving out of that intensive care or more intensive care to a less intensive care actually is a positive step, but the way it's been done doesn't feel positive. Yeah. Um, because your mind is in a in a very fragile state isn't it and, and it does t- you do go to those dark places if you don't know
0: um those- and you can understand why as a staff member where you know your focus is on making this baby as well as you possibly can. Why you would be thinking, brilliant, this baby is is doing so well. We don't need them in here anymore. They can go down a level. This is fantastic news and off they move. Them. It all makes sense. And you can understand why it perhaps wouldn't be something that they would naturally think of because they're coming at it from uh, a, a different angle as you want them to.
2: I remember, I remember talking to a nurse many years ago when I was working for for Bliss, and she was saying that when babies come to her unit, which is usually a step in the right direction, it was a lower level of care and babies were getting ready to go home. That parents really struggle with it, and she said, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know why they're not happy when they come here. I don't, I don't know how to make it better. What is it? And I stood in this unit, and particularly if you have come from a level three unit, intensive care unit, which is very clinical and very clean, very plastic, and. You go to a low-level unit. There's often an older unit. There's often lots of wood, and I said, "You've got too much wood." <laughs> what do you mean? I said, "It just doesn't feel as clean." You know, your parent it's drummed into you that you know you need to keep everything clean, right? Clean services, and then you come to an area where it's got wood, and rather than it feeling homely, it it can put panic and fear into somebody. And it won't all be wood for every parent, but I said, "No, there's there's something in that that yeah." Staff of the best of intentions are trying to make things feel like it's a positive step to parents. But sometimes those that gets lost in translation. And for parents, even if it's a step in the right direction, it's stressful because yeah. it's change. You get scared of saying something when you're based on the neonatal unit. And I know certainly I felt that other people I've spoken to felt the same, that you don't want to yeah. you don't rock the boat because, you, you know, we're working towards parents being on the unit or within a bedroom on the unit as a given. We're not there yet with that. So most parents do have to leave the unit at some point and go yeah. home. Um and you're walking out of there and leaving your baby behind. And you don't want to think that if, if you complain, they might not look after them as, as much or that those th- those thoughts go around go yeah. around your mind. I know lots of parents have said exactly the same thing to me. So that's why when I talk to staff about feedback mechanisms, it's making sure that their you know, parents can feedback at every stage of that journey. So not everyone will have the confidence to speak up or, you know, it's not their personality to do that. So we need to make sure we've got things like, you know, anonymous feedback. Boxes or a peer supporter that they can speak to. Um, proactively asking them, you know, how are you feeling today? Or is there a psychologist on the unit? And it's making sure that there's different avenues because not there's not one size fits all when it comes to feeding back or explaining how you're feeling. Um, but when I talk to staff, overwhelmingly they want to hear feedback, they want to know where they can be doing things better, they want to know if they're missing something, and, and if they are, how they can fix that. Doctors and nurses fixers. They like to fix people. So, you know, they want to fix things if they can. Um, And that's something that I try to support them with to make sure that's happening.
0: If you'd like to look at the parent resources that Karen's mentioned, or if you want to get involved in any of the groups or have any feedback or suggestions, then you can find all of the details in the show notes. Coming up on next month's episode, we're talking all things lungs. So lung conditions can be quite common with neonatal babies, whether that is because of a serious condition or just because often neonatal babies may need more time to grow and get stronger. So we're going to hear from a mixture of parents and consultants and And you can hear that episode when it's released on the 18th of next month at 8am. Unexpected Beginnings, the neonatal unit, is proudly funded by Leeds Hospitals Charity. As the official charity of Leeds Teaching Hospitals, they support NHS staff to deliver the best care for patients and their families. Generous donations are funded life-saving equipment, research, fellowships and improvements to the patient environment. Every penny donated helps to support the hardworking staff across the hospitals and enhance the experience of patients and their families. To find out more, head to leedshospitalscharity.org.uk.